Every day in America, approximately 22 veterans, first responders, or crime victims commit suicide. That number is a staggering amount and constantly increasing. Get involved in offering solutions to the men and women who so bravely take an oath to protect and serve the lives of Americans. Now, a word from our sponsors and then our host. This show is brought to you by the Spectrum Firm Incorporated, a helping hand on the FCC highway. The Spectrum Firm specializes in FCC licensing, related engineering and project management support in the private wireless industry. For more information, call 858-484-8502 at www.thespectrumfirm.com. Hello, everyone. This is Susan Brender. Today is our second show in the series called Crisis in America, PTSD, and Veterans Suicide. I'm here with Sean Flynn, my co-host, who is a former deputy sheriff for the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. And our special guest is Colonel Mike Brown, who served as the commander of the Defense Contract Management Agency and has been a hospice volunteer at the Department of Veterans Affairs in Maryland. For a more complete bio, look on YouTube under this video. Both men know what it's like to have suffered from PTSD, and that's why they're here. They want to bring awareness and guide others to get the kind of help that studies show make a difference. Our topic today is spirituality. Do spiritual or faith-based recovery and treatment programs work? I want to know, gentlemen, studies show that some of the outcomes are higher positive emotions, fewer intrusive thoughts and flashbacks to the physical trauma, lower likelihood of developing new mental or physical disorders. That's just a taste of what our show is about. Welcome, Colonel Brown. Sean, how about you go to our first question for Colonel Mike? Thank you, Susie. And... Just to disclaim again, grateful to be here. Just want to let everybody know that I represent myself. I don't represent the former agencies that I work for, which were the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office and the Palm Beach County School Police. Very grateful to them to having the opportunity to serve. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I am a proud former first responder that has recovered and still recovers from the debilitating struggle of PTS. And I'm grateful that we get to have my dear friend, Colonel Michael Brown, here today to talk about spirituality. And again, I know that when I say spirituality, there might be some people right now getting ready to run for the door. But if you have some courage here today and you're willing to listen, we're going to talk about spirituality today in a very humble way, a very truthful way. And I'm going to start off by asking Colonel Mike Brown, 31 years, retired colonel, my dear friend, who represents recovery in PTS, who is a voice for those veterans out there, uh, who has a resume that, if you guys just look it up, all I can say is, wow. So, Mike, my first question for you, brother, is there is a reluctancy, there is a reluctancy in our culture to address spirituality in our intervention treatment programs for our veteran and first responders suffering from moral injuries and PTSD. Even though physicians have a moral obligation to address patients' spiritual concerns, why do you think that is, and do you think spiritual intervention programs could help reduce the suicide epidemic amongst our veterans and our first responders? Well, Sean and Susan, thank you so much for having me on the show again. 
And Sean, that question I've been asking myself for years. And in short, here are four reasons why we should have spirituality in our treatment programs. First of all, spiritual well-being is related to better health. And we're going to talk about that in our show today. Why can I say that with some confidence? The studies show that. The World Health Organization has studies out there globally that show it. We have national studies out there that show it. And we have those at the local community that show it. Second, the spiritual appreciation and resources. When I was working at the Mass General Hospital back in 2018, I was asked to dig into the spiritual program and to see if it was worthwhile to bring it into the physical uh, mental domains and add it as a third domain into a home-based program that was made for vets. And it was curious to my knowledge that I found out spiritual accreditation is a part of an overall hospital accreditation. That's my second point. It's a part of a hospital's accreditation. It's mandated. Third, patients demand spiritual outlook from the institution itself. And in another study, 89% of the patients that go through a spiritual program complete that program. 76% of them, when surveyed afterwards, felt an interest and felt it was needed. And 88% of those demanded that. So now you have the demand cycle that's there. And we talked about that demand cycle on previous shows. Let's talk about cost. If you have a completion rate with spirituality inside with along with the physical and the mental domains, wouldn't you think that would reduce cost? So the second part of your question, it's a solid yes. It is a fact that spiritual intervention treatment reduces suicide factors. Let me explain a little bit about this. Now we know the mental health has only begun to recognize the role of moral injury and the suffering of veterans and others. Yet despite all the discussion and recent writings regarding the concept, very few interventions have been developed to address moral injury. See, moral injury is directly related to spiritual injury. The current evidence-based treatments like prolonged exposure, which we've been talking about in our previous shows, cognitive processing therapy, and the EMDR have been developed to address the symptoms associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. But they do not target the core issue of moral injury, which would include loss, anger, hurt, and guilt. Now, shortly, I'm going to show you about evidence treatment that our clinical care teams in the medical community have been shortchanging us, shortchanging us in spiritual recovery. In our first responders, out of the, that, and that's a spiritual treatment. See, for us to assist those veterans and first responders, Sean and Susie, with moral injury and PTSD to heal, we must know what we're treating and we must appropriate the proper intervention or we risk making moral injury worse. Now, for the past several shows, we discussed the fact that most clinical care teams and we showed that in our last previous show, so I'm not going over the stats. They do not have the proper training on the well-studied intervention programs. 
And so instead of helping our veterans and first responders, they are further injuring them. Also key, America is not getting these intervention programs down to the local and rural communities. Therefore, neglecting our veterans and first responders. And I'll never stop saying this, and these are the big numbers, Susie and Sean, and the audience needs to understand this, because this is at the heart of the show, of why the mental and the physical is just not getting to it for the treatments. And this is why we're gonna talk about spirituality today. This is, explains the 22 suicides a day, one suicide every 65 seconds, over 6,000 suicides a year for the last 12 years, and over 66,000 suicides since 2008. 20 to 30% success rate when you only have physical and mental being addressed. We're talking about spirituality today. If you're only having a 20 to 30% success rate, why aren't you asking for spirituality to be included in treatment plans? So let's deep dive into your questions, Sean and Susie, something that should not be controversial. However, sadly, our medical community and largely our culture has made it so. And that is spiritual wellness, spiritual healing, spiritual treatment, or whatever you want to call it, in the treatment of our vets and first responders with PTSD and moral injury. I'm going to dive into this very quickly, this question uh, for you, Colonel. Before you go any further, can you define some terms on spirituality in terms of healing? Susan, that's great. And I'm glad you asked that because there's a lot of confusion. You know, when Sean said people are starting to run for the doors, I surely hope not. I hope you're listening with a key, key sense right now with an open mind and being objective because this is a serious topic. Suicide epidemic is serious. But I think the definitions are sometimes skewed in the eye of the beholder. You haven't heard me talk about one thing about religion because we're not talking about religion. So I'm gonna define you spirituality from the best definition I could find from an Australian army padre is what they call them. Soldiers, what we call them, they call them padres. And this padre defines spirituality as this. Spirituality is the individual seeks and expresses meaning and purpose in the way they express their connection to the God of their understanding, to the moment, to self, to others, to nature, or to something they hold sacred. That's the definition of spirituality that we're going to use today. Here's three risk that are involved in spirituality from the mental health perspective, moral injury that we see. One, spiritual concern. The next is spiritual distress. And the next is spiritual despair. Spiritual concern is when the potential disruption of one's beliefs, assumptions, or values occurs in relationship to the definition I just explained. So it's a disruption to it. Spiritual distress is once there is the disruption actually occurs. So you have concern is when a potential. The next is when it's a distress, it actually has happened. Let me tell you about a distress and give you an example. In my early days as a young captain in the United States Army, 
I was sent to Bosnia. And this happened to me, my first incident of spiritual distress, when I was placed into a situation where I saw genocide, crimes against humanity, partially buried graves, unearthed graves. Here I lost sense of humanity. This would be an example of spiritual distress. Spiritual despair is the dissolution and disintegration of one source of meaning and hope, leading to one's feeling of little to no hope or resolution. This is straight out of the book of a PTSD and war or on a battlefield of the streets like Sean's been in. Murder, rape, torture, killings, indiscriminate killings, witnessing of your own friends dying. This is the despair. So we'll talk about that here shortly. But these are the things in the definition book that you need to be aware of when we talk spirituality. It's not religion. It's a connection to what you hold sacred. And when you get into a concern, when that potentially is going to hurt, then it does hurt. And then there's no hope left. Now you're in despair. I hope that answered your question, Susan. It sure does. And I thank you for that answer. Uh, Sean, would you jump in right now and ask him the next question? Absolutely. Absolutely. And before I ask you that next question, Mike, I appreciate your deep words because they are deep and they are true. And I normally don't speak for anybody, but I know you and I have a kindred spirit. So even with the listeners out there with Mike's deep words, we understand that in order to recover from this debilitating life-threatening disease that's real we have to live a life of action and that's called a spiritual path of action and i just want the listeners to hear that but i'm going to get in to the next step here so today you get to hear a former first responder who qualifies for ptsd and for all the other disorders that came as a result of this you get to hear a colonel who qualifies for the same thing and you get to hear us talk courageously about spirituality and about recovery and about how we're actually living a spiritual life now, a spiritual path of action. So Colonel Mike, can you talk about some of the types of treatment that are out there in practice today? Great segue. And this is where the proof is in the pudding. Some will say spirituality has no place in the healing process for vets and first responders. That's not true. In fact, the studies show it's not true. I think we have a cultural difference here of opinion. Early as 2019 and as late as the 1990s, this has been studied over and over and over. And there are types of treatments out there today. Existing evidence-based treatments for post-traumatic stress disorder and moral injury. Existing evidence-based treatments for PTSD, while effective for many fear-based traumas, do not sufficiently target the unique psychological wounds stem from combat, specifically moral injury and traumatic loss. The experience of moral injury and loss caused deeply complex challenges across multiple domains, behavioral, biological, cognitive, social, and spiritual in ways that are significantly different from danger-based harms. Here's the treatment, Sean. Adaptive disclosure is a new psychotherapy was specifically designed 
to address this gap in treatment and help service members, veterans, and first responders begin the process of healing from combat stress and trauma. So what is adaptive disclosure? It focuses on three most injurious combat and operational experiences, life-threatening trauma, traumatic loss, and moral injury. Individuals' interventions that integrate emotionally focused experiential strategies with elements of cognitive behavioral therapy. Let me give you an example. When I was out west doing some of my field research, I was in a treatment center for very disturbed combat vets, a lockdown. And you know what a lockdown is, Sean. Very disturbed with PTSD. And a young man, sergeant from uh, Montana, came up to me and showed me a picture of his two kids and his wife. And I asked him about it. And he had shame and he had guilt. And I asked, what's causing all this guilt and what's causing all this shame? And I'll give you his response. From the moment I realized there were dead women and children, I was horrified, numb, just struggling to grasp. When you realize you killed women and children, devastating doesn't even begin to describe it. And I feel like I can't fix it. I can't atone for it. I can't do anything to undo the damage that was done. That's spiritual despair, which I talked about earlier. He had so much guilt that his connectedness, remember spirituality, that connectedness I talked about earlier, he couldn't think he had anything to stand between him and the God of his understanding. He would be a great candidate for adaptive disclosure. But spirituality wasn't a part of his program out West. He wasn't doing well. I'm not sure where his story ends today, but that day he was not doing well. Another treatment center program would be spiritual integrative cognitive process therapy. And folks, let's remind you, we're out here on this show today to talk about solutions. And this is another solution. This targets moral injury as a major barrier to achieving recovery from PTSD. It targets moral injury by challenging erroneous interpretations of trauma, by focusing on cognitive restructuring, using the client's spiritual to challenge maladapting thinking behaviors. So here's what happens. Spiritual care begins with laminating the shared anguish of moral injury using intrinsically meaningful spiritual practices to help veterans compensate and accept an emotional arising from a moral injury so intensely felt in their bodies. That's where it's felt. It's not an amputation. It's not some brainwave. It's in the soul. It's in the heart. The second strategy is sharing and laminating suffering through exploring their own values and beliefs and coping arising from moral injury. Remember that connectedness to spirituality. Somewhere along the line, their values and beliefs and coping has been skewed by the trauma that they've been in. Let me give you an example why a spiritual practitioner is important. See, the role of a spiritual practitioner, one that's trained and accredited professional who acts on part of 
of or on behalf of a religious organization is pivotal in an integrated team. This is partially because of their specialized academic training and experience in the history and practice of spirituality within a faith. It's a one-on-one -on -one within the faith of that individual. This training allows practitioners to be able to place the expressed or assess spiritual concerns of veterans and first responders in a deeper context. See, most spiritual practitioners also, this is what I love. See, they also, you knew this growing up, they live within the community of that veteran, which is so important. We have such a challenge today, and we've talked about this too, of getting treatment down to the community and local level. We do a fair job, maybe even better, getting that to Super Bowl cities in these large metropolitan areas. But when that treatment's done, we send them back home and there's a lack of resources. Spirituality and the spiritual community resides right in their hometowns. As such, they can contextualize the issue with the veteran in their own setting while still focusing on more of their issues and beliefs. It's sustainable, America, medical community, national, state, local leaders. It's sustainable after their main treatment. It is worth noting that spirituality, as well as the medical psychology practitioners, will be greatly assisted in this execution of their role if they receive cross-disciplinary training. Remember what Sean had said in past shows? This is a medical community and the spiritual community coming together. Wouldn't that be amazing? What if, could you imagine for the first time in the last 12 years, it hasn't happened. Those listening on the show today, this could be the first, this could be the innovative optimal idea. It's been around, why not? You know, Mike, um, if, I could, if I could come in here for a minute, Susie. Mike, I want to thank you. See, Mike Brown and I today share not as some proud philosophers, right, that, that think that we uh, know what we know and are identified with uh, this knowledge. See, this knowledge doesn't belong to us. I'm talking about the spiritual path. Okay, see recovery of PTS and all of what you're hearing today, these words, I can't take any credit for it. I got to give credit to those mentors, to those coaches. Sometimes I call them corner man and I call them every day. Mike Brown's one of those corner man. Okay, so what I'm saying here is, is that, you know, Mike Brown, I got to give you credit, brother. You have me here. We're we're skating the razor's edge, as I've said to you before. We're, we're bringing up spirituality with courage and also the understanding of the potential, you know, backlash or judgment, right? But guys like you and I, <laughs> we've been through what we've been through. You talk about the knife, the knife fight in Satan's hell. So today, today we share with courage, ladies and gentlemen. Today we don't share as if we have all the answers. Today we share humbly. Today. We're not coming with vanity and trying to covet honors and lift ourselves up high. Today, what you have is Colonel Mike Brown, 31 years, recovered, 
from PTS and he deals with it every day and he has a spiritual path of action, a spiritual path of action. And I will say, and I will share humbly and I will walk through the fear right now of being judged or being shamed or being questioned to share that today we're talking about getting a message out that could save lives. Now, those out there listening, first responders that can feel this reflection, number one, you're our first priority. And hopefully those out there, like I said in our last show, with affluence and influence, and I have some hope. I have some hope from these shows. I'll tell you why. My former agency and, and comrades, and I'm not going to really do anything again. I, I, I'll say this. I'm not attached to them. But you know what? They're reaching out because this is a real problem. And they're having a hard time catching up to it. Well, today I'm grateful to have the opportunity to give back that which was given to me by my spiritual coaches. And my journey is going to be never ending, but I'm just happy to be able to share today. And I think we have another question for Colonel Mike Brown, and I'll let you, Susie, go ahead and interject here. Yeah. Thank you both for really giving us so much information and providing the veterans the idea that spirituality reduces stress reduces depression anxiety and there are so many other things that it does now mike you had a very interesting experience from our last show with regards to the veterans trying to seek access to medical and spiritual care inpatient during the covid 19 crisis would you mind sharing that with us now also walk them through the story and then how once a vet was at McLean Hospital in Belmont, Massachusetts, they were all well received and went through the three stages of treatment, safety, mourning, and reconnection to aftercare. And for the military and the veteran, a program at McLean Hospital that understands that police, active military, and other first responders endure unique on duty and personal stresses, and also face many obstacles in seeking help. In fact, they have a program that you'll tell our audience about, which is called LEADER, which stands for Law Enforcement Active Duty Emergency Responder Program that provides specialized mental health and addiction services designed specifically for men and women in uniform. Program focuses on what? Tell us and let our audience know what you think about this, Mike. Susan, thanks for bringing that up. Um, one would say that was a spiritual experience for me um, to get a phone call from a vet in distress. Uh, not a spiritual distress, but in distress of frustration. Pandemic uh, has, in my opinion, um, has forgotten some people, um, has left some people out, has put rules and regulations in place that have subjected some people to undue stress or de-stress. And this uh, vet was one of them. Uh, the vet has been suffering from PTSD, substance abuse, anger, isolation, you name it. Same symptoms we've been talking about. Uh, but he decided to turn his way uh, and go into uh, a mental health facility. 
And to do so, the requirements are, most folks know in America, if you don't, the requirements are you have to go in through an emergency room. Well, as he was processing himself through the emergency room, uh, he got turned back because of he had to uh, call in first. Imagine that, calling to go into an emergency room. Well, once he got that clearance, uh, mind you, he was uh, intoxicated at this time, highly intoxicated. Uh, suicidal was in his background and uh, reached out to me. I said, well, you're going to have to guide yourself through this. Um, so he did. Then he had to have a COVID-19 test. And so typically, uh, the audience, you're supposed to stay in the emergency room and you're supposed to go door to door to your mental health facility. Not in Massachusetts. Well, not today. We wouldn't let him stay at the emergency room. Sent him home. So you have a PTSD vet, high suicide risk, past background of it, intoxicated, not a right mind. And he's sent home because of COVID-19. Because it takes 24 hours, 48 hours for this test, I guess. What's right about that? Nothing. Nothing's right or explainable about that. So just another vet in distress, some governor who believes he's got the right call for everything. A little distaste in my mouth when I talk. But there's a goal lining. We get him by, 48 hours pass, he gets in. McLean is one of the best hospitals in America. Maybe it was a spiritual experience that got him there. I don't know. He found a place of safety. So you need a place of safety through training a vet for therapy, a place to mourn, a place to reconnect. In fact, they have a program called there, as Susan, you just said, was called LEADER, Law Enforcement Active Duty Emergency Responder Program that provides specialized mental health and addiction services designed specifically for men and women in uniform. This program specializes in treatment for first responders who need to address issues of trauma, depression, and addiction. An inpatient treatment for life crisis and substance abuse disorders. Boy, it seemed like a good fit. Therapy groups who are talking about stress management, family impact, resiliency, health, sleep, specialized consultant teams, expert in addressing challenges faced for the uniform of men and women. Here is a perfect example. Kudos, McLean Hospital. I'm shouting out to them right now because this is what we need in our local communities. This type of facility, yes, it only holds 20. And yeah, there's a waiting list. But these are the resources we needed at our local levels. So I want to give a shout out if you're listening out there. If you know someone, be sure to mention that you are calling about a police officer, active duty, or National Guard when you call McLean Hospital. It's located in Belmont, Massachusetts. And their phone number is 617 855 3141. If you know someone out there in uniform, men or women in uniform, you're looking for them a place to grow from PTSD and moral injury, need some help, reach out to McLean Hospital Leader Program. It just may save your life. Final words, if you will, and tell them a little bit about Wounded Warriors Project, which is a charity and a veteran service. 
Yeah, I like to. I would like to finish off. You know, where we started with spirituality. I think um, there's a great topic that we we talked about today. We know that programs like adaptive disclosure and spiritual integrated cognitive process therapy are already being utilized in clinical settings, and they're showing promise, Susan. And therefore, there is a need for empirical-based individual treatment for PTSD that target moral injury that make explicit use of patient spiritual resources, particularly given the evidence where we have had multiple studies that showed that nearly three quarters indicated that spirituality was important in their lives. I'd also like to give a shout out to the Wounded Warrior Project, which is a charity for veteran services organization that offers a variety of programs, services and events for wounded veterans of the military and their families. For over 17 years, their commitment to the welfare has been priority number one. It is the real deal. And it's making a difference in reducing suicide amongst vets. To contact them, reach out to woundedwarriorproject.org. Again, woundedwarriorproject.org. The unfailing formula for production of morale and patriotism, self-respect, discipline, and self-confidence within a military unit, joined with fair treatment and merited appreciation from without, it will quickly wither and die if soldiers come to believe themselves the victim of indifference or injustice on the part of their government. Douglas MacArthur, General, United States Army, 1933. This has been a very interesting show. And my co-host, Sean, I'd like to say thank you for really providing us with the knowledge and the information and the education that is so needed for people with PTSD. And I want to also say, uh, Colonel Brown, that it's been a pleasure having you as a guest always. And we will continue to do many things which really addresses the crisis in America, PTSD, and veteran suicide. I'm Susan Brender. And Sean, why don't you just say goodbye to our, our audience? And um, we want to tell you that next week we're going to have another show that addresses all the issues of PTSD. Thank you, Susie. And to end, too, on, the, on a spiritual note, I get to be on this podcast today, and I'm going to be bold. It's because, Susie, you had the courage to go to my former agency, and I'm going to give my former agency some props. The PIO, the Public Information Officer, and Sheriff Rick Bradshaw, this podcast is a result of a spiritual path of action. And I'll tell you how that happened. I listened to my mentors and I was willing to take those actions. And it led me back to that agency, which is a premier agency in the United States. And I wanna say this because today's podcast is a result of spiritual action. And I'd like to thank you, Susie, for having the courage to do that. And I'm gonna thank the PIO from the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office right now. Her name is Terry Barbera. And I'm going to thank Sheriff Rick Bradshaw because he reached out to me and I spoke to him. And I'm going to just tell you, this is true. They care about this topic and they're trying to do something about it. So what I want to say to them is that we're on the path, guys. I hope you don't give up on this. I hope that we can continue to look at this and to help our first responders out there because the truth is, the truth is that the men and women, they need some time to get patched up. They need some time to get patched up, and then they're not getting patched up when they get sent home and left alone. That's where they're bleeding out and they're hemorrhaging. So listen, I know that it's not going to happen overnight, but let's keep pushing forward so that, as Mike said, 
we can have a safe place to give our first responders a chance. Now, here's the other truth. Once we allow them some time to patch up and stop the bleeding, okay, then it's going to be up to them. Let's give them a fair chance, though, because I understand, too, to those agencies out there, sometimes when guys raise their hand or guys, we don't catch it before it starts, things happen. Some things happen that are unfortunately incorrigible and unforgiving, and this is what we're trying to stop. See, we're trying to stop that from happening. So I just want to want to end on a real positive note because, Susie, this podcast is, is a result of spiritual action and let's stay focused. And I want to express that gratitude out there to my former agency. Again, I'm unattached to that agency, so I don't speak for them. But I want to tell you that there's some good news out there. We have a long way to go. We have a long way to go to start giving our heroes, our first responders, a chance to get patched up and to learn how to take on the path of action to get themselves back into being free of spirit and heal those wounds. And that takes time. So thank you very much, Susie. Thank you, Colonel Mike. I just wanted to leave on that positive note. Thank you. Colonel Mike, if you need to get a hold of me, you can contact me at area code 256-783-9052. That's 256-783-9052. Thanks, Colonel Mike. And my name is Sean Flynn. My phone number is 561-644-5451. And my email address is S. Flynn, that's F-L-Y-N-N, 9179 at AOL.com. S. Flynn, 9179 at AOL.com. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Crisis in America PTSD. All veterans, first responders, or potential guests, we would love to hear from you. Please email comments to Colonel Mike Brown. That's brown.mike734 at gmail.com. Once again, brown.mike734 at gmail.com.